seated, and we're doing things a little different this morning, uh, just having the opportunity to be here. If I haven't met you, my name is Jarrett Stevens, and I have the privilege of serving as the senior pastor here at Champion Forest, and uh, I believe this is my second time on your campus to preach, and love coming every single time. What a joy it is to uh, partner with Pastor Avery, and uh, we've got to be flex on these. I just came from the 8 o'clock service, so I was running to get here and uh, just walked in, and thank you for being flexible on just the worship service time, allowing me uh, to come in right up front. We'll do some more worship on the back end, but that allows me to step out as soon as I'm done because i got to get back to 1045 and start the service. And so uh, what a great day to be with you. Happy July 4th weekend. 245 years old uh, today America is, and it's a joy uh, to, to celebrate America's birthday with you. But, you know, the greatest thing, the greatest thing about uh, being in America is this right here. We have the freedom uh, because so many people who have paid the ultimate sacrifice uh, given their lives for our freedom. We had the freedom to come in in a place like this and open God's word and preach God's word and uh, worship him uh, in spirit and truth as the Bible commands. And that's exactly what we're going to do right now as we open God's word. I want you to grab it and turn to Judges chapter 6 and 7. And we'll turn some other places along the way. I can't think of a better day uh, to preach a message on the life of the Old Testament judge Gideon than a day like this, with it being the 4th of July and us honoring those that have served our country. We're going to talk about a man today who served his country, served his God. I'm calling the message today. If you're taking notes, I encourage you to write it down. You'll see them all on the screen. The Warrior Way. Now, there is no way that we could preach an epic stories of the Old Testament series and not cover uh, this man that we know of as Gideon. In order to do this right, we've got to unpack some context for you as we begin to discover Gideon's story. And here's what we're going to discover today. We're going to see that God takes an unlikely man, he gives him an unlikely plan, and he takes that man, unlikely man with an unlikely plan and gives him an unlikely victory. But before we get to any of that, let me catch you up uh, to speed on what's going on. The nation of Israel is in the middle of what I call a cycle of insanity, okay? This is how they live for years and years and years. If you remember their history, Joshua leads them into the promised land, and God gives Joshua and the Israelites one command, that as you go into this promised land, you are to drive the inhabitants of those cities and villages that you go into out. Uh, God was creating for himself a people who were to be different, they were to be separated, and he was using Israel to execute his judgment on those that were worshiping false deities and living sinful practices. And so in driving these people out of their lands, as the nation of Israel took over this promised land, what God was doing was giving them an opportunity to hopefully eliminate the possibility of them living in any kind of a idolatry or apostasy. And this is Israel's history. And they started off okay at first, but then, if you know the story, they begin to make small compromises. Let me just say this while we're in the area. Uh, small compromises always leads to big consequences. Uh, don't think that you can give the devil one little inch. Don't think you can open up the door just a little bit and him not wreak havoc in your life, compromising on what God has clearly stated 
is always going to lead to pain, always lead to heartache, always lead to regret. Write it down. Small compromises will lead to big consequences every single time. And we see this in Israel's history. In fact, you're in Judges chapter 6. Just turn to Judges chapter 1. Again, these verses will be on the screen for you. But Judges chapter 1 verse 27, talking about driving the inhabitants out. Well, Manasseh, a clan of Israel, look at what it says. Manasseh did not drive out the inhabitants. Look at verse 28. When Israel grew strong, they put the Canaanites to forced labor, but did not drive them out completely. Judges 1 29. Hey, the first part, and Ephraim did not drive out the Canaanites. Verse 30, the first part, Zebulon did not drive out the inhabitants. Verse 31, the first part, Asher did not drive out the inhabitants. Verse 33, the first part, Naphtali did not drive out the inhabitants. You get in the picture? The translation is they disobeyed God. And as a result, look at what God does. Small compromises, devastatingly big consequences. Look at Judges 2, starting in verse 11. And the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals. And they abandoned the Lord, the God of their fathers, who had brought them out of the land of Egypt. They went after other gods from among the gods of the peoples who were around them and bowed down to them. They provoked the Lord to anger. They abandoned the Lord and served the Baals and the Ashtoreth. So the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. And he gave them over to plunderers who plundered them. And he sold them into the hand of their surrounding enemies so that they could no longer withstand their enemies. And whenever they marched out, the hand of the Lord was against them for harm, as the Lord had warned and as the Lord had sworn to them, and they were in terrible distress. Thus, the cycle of insanity. This is how Israel lived. They are in distress They finally repent and call out to God. God raises up a deliverer in our context. He raises up a judge. God gives Israel victory through that judge. There is security and and safety in the homeland for a period of time before Israel just rolls back right into sin. And the cycle continues. Judgment, distress, crying out, asking God to save them. And this is exactly where we are When we get to the story of Gideon, for seven long years, a group of people known as the Midianites have been handing it to Israel. I'm telling you, they are treating Israel like the Astros have been treating some teams lately on their win streak, all right? Just giving it to them, uh, powering them down, rolling them up, and they're doing it in the worst of ways. Look at how Midian is... um, ruling Israel in this time, overruling and overpowering them. Judges chapter 6, starting in verse 1. The people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord gave them into the hand of Midian seven years. The hand of Midian overpowered Israel because Midian, the people of Israel, made for themselves the dens that are in the mountains and caves and the strongholds. For whenever the Israelites planted crops... The Midianites and the Amalekites and the people of the east would come up against them. And they would encamp against them. And look at how they would treat Israel. They would devour the produce of the land as far as Gaza, leaving no sustenance in Israel. No sheep or ox or donkey. 
For they would come up with their livestock and their tents, and they would come like locusts in number. Both they and their camels could not be counted, so that they laid waste to the land as they came in. And Israel was brought very low because of Midian. And the people of Israel cried out for help to the Lord. And it's at this point that we meet this young boy by the name of Gideon. And as we read about Gideon, I want you to listen to how he's described. Listen to how he refers to himself, sees himself. He does not in any way come across like a warrior that God could use in any significant way. That's why I refer to him as an unlikely man. Look at Judges chapter 6, starting in verse 11. Now the angel of the Lord came. The angel of the Lord. That's an important phrase. Most likely this is pre-incarnate Christ. This is where Jesus shows up in the Old Testament. He speaks on behalf of God. And he sat under the terebinth at Oprah, which belonged to Joash the Abizarite, while his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. Notice from this passage of Scripture that Gideon is, first of all, scared for his life. We know this because the Scripture says he's beating out wheat in the winepress. Now, as a farmer, you were never supposed to beat out wheat in a wine press. That was to be outside. That'd be like going in your homes and you wanting to clean the rug and shaking it off on the inside of the house. It doesn't make sense. Uh, you were supposed to go up to the top of the mountain where, the, where you could really get a hold of the wind. And that was where you would beat out the wheat. The kernels of wheat would fall to the ground and the wind would just carry the chaff away. But that's not where we see Gideon. In fact, he's, exact, he's in the exact opposite place. He's not outside on a mountain. But instead, he's at the bottom of the hill inside a building. And he's threshing wheat. Doesn't make sense. The Bible tells us, verse 11, he's doing this because he's hiding from the Midianites, scared for his life. Not only that, he's extremely insecure. Look at verse 12. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. Now, this has always been funny to me, okay? Because the angel of the Lord says, the Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. And I've got to think Gideon turned around to see if anybody else was in the room. Because he's hiding, scared for his life. I looked up the word valor in the dictionary. It means great courage in the face of danger, especially in battle. And here Gideon is hiding out. Surely the Lord wasn't speaking to him, but he was. And isn't this, tell me it's not true, isn't this just like God? He sees things in us that we don't see. Believes in us when we don't believe in ourselves. Speaks words of life over us, words of encouragement over us. Sees the potential in us. I think about Peter in the New Testament. His name was Simon. And Jesus looks at him and he says, no, no, from now on you're going to be the rock. He wasn't the rock right then there in that moment. But by the time Jesus got done with him, he'd be a rock. Amen. Gideon's not a mighty man of valor in this moment. But the time, by the time God's done with him, he's going to be a mighty man of valor. Listen to me. I don't care who you are. Don't you think for a moment that God can't use you. Don't you think for a moment 
that God won't use you. It's the unlikely man, it's the unlikely woman that God loves to use. And if you'll lay your fear and insecurities down, that's what it's going to take. You lay your fears and insecurities down. And I'm telling you, God will use you in a great way. The, the insecurities were plaguing Gideon. Couldn't get over it. I mean, just look at what the scripture says in verses 13 through 15. And Gideon said to him, please, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us, saying, did not the Lord bring us from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hand of Medina. When I was studying this this week, I just wrote out in my notes here, I think it's very important. It's always hard to remember the blessings of God when you're in the middle of heartache and despair. That's why it's so important that we journal out and write out victories that God gives us throughout our days. Because we need to be able to recount God's faithfulness because when we can go back and look at God's faithfulness over here, it fuels future faithfulness from us toward him over here. Um, Last week, uh, many of you received the email that our church sent out where I announced at our Champions Campus. We gave a financial report here, if you remember, about a month ago. And currently where we were as a church, and my philosophy as a pastor is to just be honest with the church on where you're at. You, you, you see it. You are the church. Let God handle it. And we were financially $1.9 million behind budget. Now, we had kept spending low because we always uh, want to be wise stewards and uh, we want to make sure that you can trust us with the resources that you don't just give to Champion Force, you give to God through Champion Force. You give to others through Champion Force. We want to steward those resources well. So we were looking at about a three dollars to $400,000 deficit, but $1.9 million behind budget. We are at the same time $1.5 million in debt. Now, that was a good thing, too, because we'd just come out of our uh, uh, multiply campaign with 20-something million dollars at our North Klein campus. Uh, when we assumed Jersey Village, it was about $5 million of debt when we assumed this campus. So we were only looking at $1.5 million in debt. So just get the picture. We're coming up on our budgeted year that begins in October. We were $1.9 million behind budget and $1.5 million in debt. Now, I can remember meeting with the finance committee. And to a person, they said, Pastor, we just need to pray. We've been here before, and God's always come through. And I said, well, I've never been here before. I hope you're right. And let's pray. And we prayed, and I announced last week at our Champions Campus, and announcing today, if you didn't see it, that as of last week, as of today, we are not only uh, uh, meeting budget, we are exceeding budget and 100% debt-free totally debt free that's amazing that's a praise God that's something in the history of our church that we write down because we're going to look back to because when it gets tough and we get in times of despair we recount the faithfulness of God because it's going to fuel future faithfulness on our behalf in the beginning uh, we're, we're six months into the year do you realize champion force through all of our campuses four campuses in northwest Houston halfway through the year we've baptized 350 people halfway through the year that's amazing. That's the hand of God. And so what, what, what does that say to us? That says, man, let's remember his faithfulness now because we're going to need to remember it in the future. Uh, Gideon, he, couldn't, he, 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 didn't, he didn't have anything to go off of. He'd heard the stories, but they weren't his stories. 
Verse 14, the Lord, Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do not I send you? And he said to him, Please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Listen to these fears and insecurities. How can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I'm the least in my father's house. God, how can I do anything great for you? I'm, I'm, the, I'm the weakest. I'm the least. Some of you, you know these feelings of insecurity so well. God's calling you to do something, to step up to the plate and teach a life group. God, how can I do that? I can't get in front of somebody. God's calling you to use your spiritual gift that he has divinely gifted you. God, nobody's going to pay attention to me. And we let all these insecurities, all these fears settle in on our heart and life. God can't use me. Some of you, he's calling to maybe quit your job and go into full-time Christian ministry. But the dollars don't add up. How are we going to do this? God, I don't know. You can't use me, God. That's certainly you're not talking to me. Maybe it is something as simple as baptism. God's calling you to get your baptism on the right side of your salvation. To follow through and show the, Lord, uh, the world what you believe and to whom you belong. But you've been a Christian a long time. You've just never been baptized by immersion. In fears and insecurities, what will people think? I've been serving in the church. I've been leading in the church. And these fears and insecurities keep us from moving forward in our walk with God. What insecurities are keeping you from speaking up when you need to? Serving in that capacity. Stepping up to that leadership opportunity. God wants to use you. And it's him working in and through you. Yes, we're weak. Yes, we're unlikely. And that's the person God loves to use. And if we need to hear what Gideon did from the Lord and take it to heart. And look at what he heard in verse 16. It's mentioned twice, actually, verse 12 and verse 16. And the Lord said to him, but I will be with you. I'll be with you. That should drive out every fear, every doubt. Every discouragement, every insecurity, the God of the universe knits you together in your mother's womb, knows the stars and calls them by name. That God promises to be with us. It's a promise of God. That presence of God ought to drive out every fear and insecurity we have. I love my time alone with the Lord. I talk about it often because I, I want it to be an example to the church. Every morning I wake up, I read the proverb of the day. So Proverbs chapter 4. Then I read two or three psalms, just depending on the length of the psalm. I mean, Psalm 119, i got to break that one up over a day, okay? Um, then I read an Old Testament chapter, a New Testament chapter. And this week I began, Pastor Avery, my first Corinthians, uh, just reading through. Again, my first Corinthians reading in the New Testament. Man, I came across, as only God could do it, verses 26 through 29. And I'm preaching on Gideon this week. I'm talking about God using the weak using us in our insecurities. And, oh, this verse just spoke to my heart. For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even the things that are not, to bring to nothing the things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. Amen. That's what God does. He uses... He uses the weak to shame the strong, the foolish to shame the wise. Why? So that he alone can get the glory. We have an unlikely man, and God gives him a plot to take down the Midianites. It's what I call an unlikely plan. Now, we've already seen in this series that God works in ways that don't really line up with reality. I mean, he works in mysterious ways, right? I mean, you talk about uh, David and Goliath. 
Um, Goliath, it should have taken a, an army to bring down Goliath. But what did it take? A shepherd boy with a slingshot. The nation of Israel, when they were being delivered from slavery, they find themselves at the Red Sea in front of them and Pharaoh's army bearing down on the back of them. How are they going to be delivered? God works in mysterious ways. He creates a road where there is no road and splits the sea. Uh, Elijah in the battle of the gods. Here's a man from the backside of nowhere. Tishbe. Can't even find it on a map. Scholars don't even know where it is. And God uses this man to call down fire from heaven. God works in mysterious ways. Isaiah chapter 55 verses 8 and 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And my thoughts your thoughts. The plan God has for getting here, I'm, I assure you, it didn't register with his finite mind. In fact, look at Judges chapter 7 verses 2 and 3. Here's the unlikely plan. The Lord said to Gideon, here's how you're going to take care of the Midianites. The people that you are are too many for me to give the Midianites into your hand, lest Israel boast over me, saying, my own hand has saved me. Now, therefore, proclaim in the ears of the people, saying, whoever is fearful and trembling, let him return home and hurry away from Mount Gilead. Then 22,000 of the people return, and only 10,000 remain. Now, what do you think Gideon is thinking in this moment? He's going against an innumerable army. More, the scripture says, than the sand of the sea. And God says, 22,000 is too many. i got to narrow that down. You know what I'd have been thinking at that moment? God, me and you got a disconnect going on here. Some static, call drop, something, something's not, you're not coming through clear. But God says, no, I'm coming through clear. In fact, 10,000 is too many. Look at verses 4 and 5. And the Lord said to Gideon, these people are still too many. Take them down to the water, and I'll test them there for you. And anyone whom I say to you, this one shall go with you, shall go with you. And anyone whom I say to you, this one shall not go with you, shall not go with you. So he brought the people down to the water, and the Lord said to Gideon, Everyone who laps the water with his tongue gets on his knees and laps it like a dog. You sit by himself. Likewise, everyone who kneels down to drink. Uh, we're going to take Champion Forest on a trip to Israel in December of 2022. So December of next year, you got over a year to plan for it. We'll get you details that it's come, but... It's always a great time to take our groups. If you've never been, when you go to Israel, it's great to go to the places where history says this and tradition says this. But when you're on X marks the spot, woo, that's a whole different story. And we go to a lot of X marks the spots. We know this happened right here. And we'll take our groups right here to Gideon Spring. I think I brought some B-roll for you to show you of what Gideon Spring looks like. And we'll go here. We'll take our groups. You can take pictures, and you see that spring there, and you see the valley across the way. that You clearly see how they would be innumerable, numbering the sand of the sea while Gideon's got his 300 here lapping like a dog. And we'll teach Judges 6 and 7 right here from X marks the spot. Um, look for details on that Israel trip. And look at what happens this will continue to play, but I want to read verses 6 through 8. The number of those who lapped, putting their hands to their mouth, was 300 men. They were, they were ready. And um, the Lord said to Gideon, with the 300 men who lapped, I will save you and give the Midianites into your hand and let all the others go, every man to his home. So the people took the provisions in their hands and their trumpets, and he sent all of the rest of Israel, every man to his tent, but he retained 300 men in the camp of Midian was below in the valley. Strange plan. Strange, I, I, listen, I've just learned it in my years. God's got strange plans, but it's always best to just trust in his plans. Just go with what God says, all right? Uh, 
He sees things from a different perspective than we do. Sees further than we do. Knows things that we don't know. He narrows armies, Gideon's army down to 300 men based on how they drink water. 300 against how many? Look at verse 12. The Midianites and the Anlicites and all of the people of the east lay along the valley like locusts in abundance. And their camels were without number as the sand that was on the seashore in abundance. 300 versus without number. But as we see with Elijah, one plus God equals a majority. All right, That's a good word for us, even as a country. We're going to stand for righteousness. One plus God equals a majority every single time. And that's exactly what we see here with the people of Israel. I'm so glad God saw a mighty man of valor because Gideon sure didn't see it in himself. We got an unlikely man, an unlikely plan, but it leads to an unlikely victory. Look at verse 16. And he divided the 300 men into three companies and put trumpets into the hands of all the men and empty jars with torches inside. Put trumpets in their hands. Not, not spears. Not a bow and arrow. Not a, a rod. He gave them a trumpet. He's not only got 300, he ain't even got a football team. He's sending out the band. Verse 17, he said to them, look at me and do likewise. When I come to the outskirts of the camp, you do as I do. When I blow the trumpet, I and all who are with me, then blow the trumpets also on every side of all the camp and shout for the Lord and for Gideon. And so Gideon and the hundred men who were with him came to the outskirts of the camp at the beginning of the middle watch when they just set the watch. And they blew the trumpets and smashed the jars that were in their hands. And the three companies blew the trumpets and broke the jars. You can't make this up. They held in their left hands the torches and in the right hands the trumpets to blow. And they cried out a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. Every man stood in his place around the camp and all the army ran and they cried out and fled. And when, the three, uh, when they blew the 300 trumpets, the Lord set every man's sword against his comrade and against all the army. And the army fled. Ultimately, Judges 8.28 says, So Midian was subdued before the people of Israel, and they raised their heads no more, and the land had rest for 40 years in the day of Gideon. God used an unlikely man, an unlikely plan, and brought about an unlikely victory. I named this sermon the warrior way. And I did it on purpose because as I was reading this, just pulling some truths out about Gideon, I thought, man, these are worth sharing. And I've been taking my oldest. We've got our kids enrolled at Cypress Christian School. And my oldest at 730 has been going nearly every day to work out. They call it the warrior way. And they're trying Cypress Christian Warriors because they're trying to develop in them a mindset. And I thought, well, if it's good for them, it's good for us. You know, because we need a warrior mindset because we're in a spiritual battle every single day. We know it in our society. We can see it on the news. We know it in our souls because we know the temptation. That comes our way. We're in a battle. And we need to adopt a warrior mentality. And so the warrior way, looking at, looking at Gideon's life, let me give it to you. We won't stay here long. Number one, the warrior way is to accept who God says you are. This is all about identity. Verse 12 said, Gideon, you're a mighty man of valor. He sure didn't think it. He didn't see that when he looked in, his mirror, in the mirror. But God saw it. And what God sees is reality. He doesn't look at us and our insecurities. He looks at us through the lens of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We are more than conquerors. And so who God says we are is very, very important. You know, this story of Gideon, I'm pulling out some truths as it relates to me and you, but this story of Gideon really is more about Jesus. Gideon's a picture of Jesus. 
Jesus was nothing in the world's eyes, weak. No one expected much from him. God gave the Israelites victory in an unlikely way. Well, God gave us victory in an unlikely way by sending an unlikely man, the God-man, to the cross. And God used Israel and Gideon to break the yoke of Midian people. And God uses his one and only son, Jesus, to break the yoke of sin and oppression in our lives. When we read the story of Gideon, we're reading the story of Jesus. And so when we listen to Because of what Jesus has done in his death, his burial, his resurrection, this is where we get our identity. He says, you're a new creation. When we trust in Jesus, the old is past, the new has come. This is who you are. You're a child of the living God. How much would your life change every single day? If you looked up in the mirror, if I looked in the mirror, I didn't see Jarrett Stevens. I saw Jarrett Stevens, child of the living God. It changed. It changed everything. So accept who you are as part of the warrior way. I wish we could go on. Number two. Eliminate excuses for for doing what God has called you to do. Eliminate excuses for not doing what God has called you to do. Um, You remember the promise God gave Gideon, I will be with you. He thought, I'm too young, I'm too inexperienced, I'm the weakest, I'm the youngest, making all these excuses. Don't make excuses for what God's commanded you to do. I wish Gideon 6, it talks about Gideon fleecing God. You remember that? He puts out this fleece and he says, God, if you really want me to take down these Midianites, then you make the ground wet and the, and the fleece dry. And God does it. Gideon says, uh, God, can I ask you a favor? Can we do this one more time? That's tomorrow. If you want me to go against them, make the, make the fleece dry and the ground around it wet. God does that. Um, God was gracious to give him a fleece, but Gideon didn't need a fleece and neither do you. We've got his word right here. We can go off his word. That's all we need, a promise from God's word. No more excuses for not being in God's word. No more excuses for not investing in his kingdom. No more excuses for not using your spiritual gift. No more excuses for not sharing Christ. He's told us to do. We've got his word, and so we don't make excuses for doing what God has called us to do. Number three, face your fears by acting on faith. For there to be faith, fear is always going to be present. And it's interesting, you read this passage of Scripture before God ever calls Gideon to to deliver the nation. He calls him to deliver his family. Read it in Judges chapter 6, verses 25 through 34. What was God doing? He was building that faith muscle because the more you act on faith, the stronger your faith gets. And so you work out that faith. Hebrews 11, you remember the great hall of faith? By faith, by faith, by faith, Gideon makes it. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 32 through 40. What more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell a Gideon. And then he lists all these things out in verse 33. Who through faith conquered kingdoms? Check. Enforced justice? Check. Obtained promises? Check. Stopped them out the lions? Not so much. Quenched the power of fire? Not so much. Escaped the edge of the sword? Check. Made strong out of weakness? Check. Became mighty in war? Check. Put armies to flight? Check. That's Gideon. All because he acted not on his fears but on faith. And that's how, you, that's how we confront our fears. We move by faith. Fourth, warrior way mentality. Be obedient and leave the consequences to God. Be obedient leave the consequences to God. If God's calling you to do something, say something, stand up for something, you know it's God, and that's the key. You've got to know it's God. It's in his word. You've heard it through the preaching and teaching of his word. You've talked about it with wise counsel. If it's the Lord, then you be obedient. And with confidence, you can leave the consequences to him. You know that old hymn, Trust and Obey? When we walk with the Lord in the light of his word... What a glory he sheds on our way. While we do his goodwill, he abides with us still and with all who will trust and obey. Trust and obey. For it's the warrior way. I added that part. To be happy in Jesus. 
There's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. The warrior way. Amen? Would you bow your heads in prayer? Thank you for joining us online. We hope today's experience encouraged and challenged you. At Champion Forest, we are passionate about all kinds of people coming to know God, to grow in their relationship with Him and others, and then to go out and make a difference in the world. We would love the opportunity to talk and pray with you. To connect with us, just go to championforce.org connect. And hey, of course, we can't wait to welcome you on campus, in person, on one of our locations. We'll see you soon.